the bloody disgusting podcast network. We'd like to welcome new patron Michael Peak. Thank you for your support and for helping to make these stories possible. To hear this and other episodes ad-free, listener shout-outs, and more, help support the show through our official Patreon at patreon.com slash bleedersdigest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S-T. The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. There's nothing more terrifying than the ghosts of the past. Bleeder's Digest, issue number 38. Upstate. Sam and Marina decided that the hustle and bustle of city life wasn't for them anymore. In fact, it never was them. They were both introverts and liked staying home and doing their own thing. They recently got married and decided this would be the perfect time to move and put down roots. Marina had read in the paper that one of the best places to live was a small town in Maine called Little Cove. Little Cove wasn't too far from where they were now, but far enough where it felt just right. They could start their lives in a new city and say goodbye to the subways, high price tags, and overabundance of people. Our newlyweds were so excited to own their own place. It was something that they had both dreamed about for some time. They packed their belongings in a rented moving van, bought a used car, and headed to their new quiet home. It was a small Victorian built in the 1800s. You could just smell the history when you walked in. Marina was so glad they were able to get this house amidst the many bidding wars and frustration of being constantly priced out. It was apparent that lots of new couples had read that very same article about Little Cove, but they had no regrets. They fancied it more than the other houses they put offers on. The whole place needed updating, but had such great potential. This is the home they dreamt of starting a family in. The one they wanted to grow old together in. Sam was lucky enough to get a job as a teacher at the local elementary school. Marina made and sold pottery. It wasn't something super lucrative, but it helped with the finances. She sold her pieces at local farmer's markets and swap meets. Sam built the most beautiful kiln on the property for her. It was much larger than her last one, and she was eager to test it out. That night, Marina made a delicious chicken dish she found in Better Homes magazine. That was amazing. Mm. Food tastes better in the country, I swear. I think so, too. Are you excited for your first day at school tomorrow? You're you're making me sound like I'm the student. They both giggled. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I know you can tell. I'm also nervous. Every new school year, I wonder what kind of students I'll get. Will it be the class bully, the super shy kid, or the overachiever? And most importantly, will I, as an educator, make an impact? Will my class be excited to get up to go to school? Will they think I'm a good teacher? Can I do a good enough job that the word gets around to the parents of the next year class that I'm the it teacher? What's the it teacher? You you know, the teacher all the parents request at open house for their kid for the fourth grade. I want to be that teacher. You are that teacher. Marina pulled Sam's shirt closer to give him a kiss. You're amazing. 
and that class is going to be so lucky to have you. But you know what would make you even more amazing? What? He said as she gazed into his eyes. If you did the dishes. Ah, I see what you're doing there. Of course I will. How about you clear and I clean? How can I say no to an offer like that? Marina hated doing the dishes, and Sam knew that. She took every opportunity to get out of doing them. It was common for housewives like herself to take pride in their domestic duties and keeping a tidy home, but she had no interest. While she was scraping the leftover pieces of broccoli off the plate, she realized the trash was overflowing. She didn't mind taking the trash out, but she knew Sam did. That's probably why the trash was overflowing. He would rather watch it spill over the sides and take it out. She yelled out to Sam over the noise of the water and dishes clanking. I'm going to run this trash out. Sam turned off the water and looked at her with a smile. Now watch yourself out there. I wasn't able to replace the lights by the trash, just the one on the porch. Great, I'm probably going to get sprayed by a skunk or something. She pushed the trash down as much as she could and pulled the bag out of the can. Peanut shells and excess trash started spilling all over the floor. Great, I'll clean that up when I get back. As she tied the bag and headed out the door, she thought, Sam was right, it is pretty dark out here. When she got outside, she was taken aback by how beautiful the night sky was. She wondered if this would be something she would ever take for granted. She gripped the plastic bag tight and walked to the side of the house where the trash cans were stored. As she went to lift the metal lid, she heard rustling behind them. She could hear the movement of crunchy leaves on the ground in front of her. She hoped it was an animal. But what kind of animal? Was it a mountain lion or a bear, she wondered? Marina shut her eyes and counted to three, hoping that when she hit that magic number, whatever was there would be gone. When her lips whispered the number three, she slowly and hesitantly opened her eyes. As they started to focus on the trash cans in the distance, she saw a giant raccoon sitting on top of one of them. She exhaled and started to crack a smile, which followed with laughter. She shooed the raccoon away, tossed her trash, shut the lid, and quickly turned around and went back inside. Marina locked the door and headed back to the kitchen to tell Sam all about what happened. Sam! Oh my goodness, there was a crazy raccoon on the trash can and it scared the living daylights out of me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it surprised me. I thought it might be a bear or or I don't know. Well, you're going to have to get used to it. We aren't in the city anymore. I know, I know. As Sam and Marina continued to clean the kitchen, the old beige landline phone mounted on the wall began to ring. I wonder who's calling. It's our first call in our new house. It's probably your mom. She calls practically every day, so you should answer it. You're probably right. Marina went over to the phone and picked it up. Hello, Jones residence. Is this my beautiful mother? The long cord reached almost to the floor. The connection is really bad. I can barely hear you. Your presence is making her- Hello? You keep cutting out. Sorry, I have no idea what you're saying. Hanging up now. Bye. Marina places a receiver back on the wall. Um, who was that? I don't know. It was really hard to understand. Probably just a scammy telemarketer thing. Weird. Did you make out anything? I think she was looking for someone named Enola. Enola? Sam had a concerned look on his face. We should get ready for bed. You have a big day tomorrow. Sam and Marina retired for the evening. Marina pulled down the sheet and closed the lush velvet curtains. 
She left the window open a crack to let in some fresh night air. They fell asleep in each other's arms, exhausted from the move. The clock struck three, and Marina was awoken by the sounds of footsteps on the above floor. Sam! Sam! Wake up! Someone is upstairs. Listen. It's probably some animal or rats. They always live in attics. It doesn't sound like an animal or a rat. Marina continued to try and wake him up. He finally started to become more aware of his surroundings. They both heard the sound of someone walking above them. Sam turned on the light in the nightstand. They could see small particles of the cottage cheese ceiling floating down around them. I'm in my bed. I'm going up to the attic. I'm going with you. You should probably stay here. No, I'm too scared to be alone. I'm coming with. I'll grab the flashlight. Sam and Marina carefully walked up the old creaky stairs to the attic. When they arrived at the top, they could see a warm light shining from underneath the door. Did you turn on the light up there? No. Did you? No. I haven't been up there since the walkthrough. Me neither. As Sam went to open the attic door, they could see shadows moving indicating that there was something up there. Did you see that? Yeah. Something or someone is in there. What are we going to do? Don't worry, I got this covered. Sam used his loud and powerful voice to shout. This is your first and last warning. You better leave this house immediately. The police are on their way and I have a gun. You don't have a gun. Why would you say that? Are you crazy? They don't know I don't have a gun. And yes, I am a little crazy. Well, when I open this door, you better be gone. I'm counting down from five, four... Three, two, one. I'm opening the door now. Sam nervously grabbed the brass antique knob. He twisted the handle a few times in his hand, buying time, till the door popped ajar. He carefully pushed it open, only to reveal that the attic was completely pitch black. Marina used the flashlight to guide her to the light switch in the middle of the room. She pointed it up at the brass beaded string, only to find... There was no bulb. What the hell? Sam, don't say that. Sorry, this just makes no sense. If the light doesn't have a bulb, how was the light on a few seconds ago? I don't know. There is probably some logical explanation why. I just don't know what that is yet. We both saw the light on and the shadows moving, so how can we both be crazy? Maybe we're just exhausted. Seeing and hearing things that aren't here. It's, It's really late. They used the flashlight to scan the attic one last time. Nobody is in here. All that was there was furniture from a previous tenant. It was old and stained, covered with a thick layer of dust. A vintage sewing machine sat on a table in the back next to an antique mirror. Let's go back to bed. We have to be up in less than three hours. That was so weird. I know. It's been a long day. A few hours later, the alarm went off, and the Johnsons got ready to start their day. They both were incredibly sleep-deprived. They had two cups of coffee to get going. Sam spent the day learning the ropes at his new school. He tried to wow the students and staff with his enthusiastic love of teaching. Marina went down to the nursery to get some soil and hydrangeas for the flower beds in the front yard. She spent the time in the morning trying to spruce it up. In the afternoon, she switched to unpacking. She came across the box that stored her most treasured possession, her grandma's antique vase. It had been passed down from generation to generation and had the most beautiful gold birds and flowers painted on it. She opened the box carefully, afraid to look, out of fear that the whole thing might have shattered in the move. She cautiously peeled the green bubble wrap off the vase. 
Much to her excitement, it was in perfect condition. She had just the place for it. She positioned the vase in the middle of the dining table. It looked as though it should have always been there. Marina turned back around and bent down to finish unpacking the box when the vase suddenly flew off the table and shattered right in front of her. What the hell? When she turned back around to see who had tossed the vase in her direction, nobody was there. Goosebumps instantly appeared on Marina's ghostly white skin. Her heart started beating so fast. She didn't know if she wanted to cry or scream. Hello? I have a knife. Marina heard heavy footsteps running up the stairs. Adrenaline started coursing through her veins as she chased after them. When she got to the top of the stairs, she took a glance at her surroundings. Out of the corner of her eyes, she saw the guest room door slam. Without hesitation, she ran over to the room. She turned the knob slowly and pushed the door open. The room was empty except for a bed, dresser, and a gold mirror that hung on the wall. This room in particular was always about 10 degrees cooler than the rest. It would give anyone who entered it chills down their spine. Marina was no different and watched the goosebumps form on her arms. More of Bleeder's Digest, issue number 38. Upstate, after this. This room in particular was always about 10 degrees cooler than the rest. It would give anyone who entered it chills down their spine. Marina was no different and watched the goosebumps form on her arms. She continued to look through the room. She opened the closet and it too was empty. Marina stopped and looked at her reflection in the mirror. Her bright red hair hung so perfectly around her gentle face. As she started to look away, she caught her reflection starting to morph and change. Her once youthful skin turned old and yellow. Her thick hair was thin with patches missing. Her teeth were falling out and the ducts of her eyes were oozing a pale green pus. One single drop of blood fell from her nostril onto the dresser. She started to scream and touched the top of her scalp to feel oozing boils that were leaking a gray fluid as her fingers ran over them. She closed her eyes as the reflection was too much to handle. Though as soon as she did, she couldn't help but open them right away to see what else was happening. She glanced at herself in the mirror one last time before running downstairs, and everything was as it once was. Her face was back to normal, and Marina felt a sense of relief. Upon leaving the room, she saw a drop of her blood that was resting on the dresser. The sight of it made her feel ill. When Sam got home from work, she told him about the horrible things that had happened. He held her tight and comforted her. Sam, this house is horrible. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. How do you know that? I just do. I just do. I feel like there was a reason this place was so easy to get. Yeah, because it's so ancient. I'm going to be fixing it even after I'm dead. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I think this house is evil. Evil? Well, haunted, most definitely, but evil? I'm not so sure yet. What happened to me today was evil. You should have seen my face. Anything since then? Thank goodness, no. Well, maybe that's it, and whatever it was, moved on. God, I hope so. I completely forgot to ask how your first day was in all the chaos. It's okay, there's a lot going on here. It was actually pretty incredible. I love my class, and they seem to like me. 
My classroom is so big and our window looks out to this beautiful oak tree. That's really great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I am happy too. You know what? You need to get out of here. Out of this house. Why don't you go out somewhere? I do feel like I need a break, but I don't know where to go. It's still early. It's only 3.30. The shops in downtown should still be open. Didn't you want to get some new fabric? I did. You're right. I'm going to leave for a little bit. By the way, the shower is still broken, so you're going to have to use the tub. I know. It's on my list of things to fix this weekend. Sounds good. Marina grabbed her purse and keys, gave Sam a kiss, and headed out the door. Sam began his ascent upstairs to start his bath. He turned on the water and went to grab a towel from the linen cabinet. He got undressed and climbed in. The hot water hugged Sam's toned body. Steam coated the old, decaying mirror. Sam noticed that it was hung crooked. He made a mental note to add it to his list. One more damn thing. He couldn't help but to continue to stare at the crooked mirror. All of a sudden, he heard a strange sound coming from the mirror. Handwritten letters slowly appeared, spelling out the word, Retribution. Sam's heart started beating faster. Who's there? The bathroom door that was open to crack slammed shut. The light started flickering. The hot water knob on the sink turned on and it quickly started to fill. Steam was rising, clouding the mirror above. The words die and pig started to form out of the fog. Sam was terrified. Stop it! Whoever's there, you better stop! A sinister laugh was heard in the distance. As Sam lifted his right leg to get out of the tub, he was swiftly pushed back down into the water. The left faucet turned on and scolding hot water rushed out. Sam was getting angry and tried to turn it off, but couldn't. It was as if the knobs were stuck. Uh, I'm fucking serious. Whoever's doing this, you better knock it off. That's it. I'm sick of playing your games. I'm getting out. Sam stood up and reached out to grab a towel with his eyes half shut, trying not to let the water drip into them. As his arm moved from left to right, something grabbed his hand back. He jumped and looked around. Oh, what do you want? A terrifying voice whispered in his ear. A powerful force knocked into Sam's abdomen, leaving him breathless. As the young teacher fell back, he frantically tried to grab on anything that would brace his fall. His last thoughts were of Marina and her beautiful smile before hitting his head on the hard, white porcelain tub. Blood started leaking out of the back of his head, dripping into the tub, turning the water an ugly rust color. The vigorous impact was so strong that parts of his skull, tissue, and brain matter were exposed. The weight of his body slowly started dragging his head underneath the water. Bubbles crept to the surface as he was fully submerged. A few hours later, Marina arrived home calmer and happier. Retail therapy had done the trick. She even started to doubt what she had experienced and blamed it on the lack of sleep and hormones. She put her keys back on the hook and headed into the kitchen to find her husband. Sam, where are you? You were right, I did need to get out. I feel so much better. She went into the guest room downstairs and through the hallways looking for him. Sam, are you here? After she went through every room, she arrived at the foot of the stairs. He must be upstairs. She could hear the sound of water running and assumed he was getting ready for a bath. She started to walk up the stairs. Sam, 
You getting ready for a bath? She noticed as she was going up that water was pooling down the left side of each step. Marina was getting nervous and moved faster to the top. She could see water pouring out of the bathroom from underneath the door. She moved quickly to open it. It was then that she noticed the sink was running and went to turn off the faucet. Looking down to stop the overflow pouring out of the bathtub, that's when she saw Sam's body. She began screaming and panicking. Oh my God, Sam! Sam! Can you hear me? She tried pulling Sam's body out of the tub but had a hard time. He was large in stature and she was so petite that anything over 70 pounds was next to impossible for her to lift on her own. She pulled the upper half of his body out of the tub and rested it on the rim while she went downstairs to call 911. 911, what's your emergency? My husband drowned in the bath. Send help immediately to 4519 Springwood Street. Okay, dispatch. Uh, We are on the way. Please stay on the phone, ma'am, until we get there. Paramedics arrived, and Sam was pronounced dead at the scene. The medical examiner later concluded that Sam's death was an accidental drowning due to a head injury. The theory was that Sam stood up to possibly get the towel to wipe the soap out of his eyes when he slipped. Marina knew this just couldn't be. It had to be the evil in the house. Anytime she hinted to a friend or family member about her theory, they would look at her like she was mentally ill. She was devastated and completely broken not having Sam around. The funeral gave her a bit of closure, but also opened her up to a million questions. That night, she went into Sam's closet to grab one of his shirts to sleep with from the hamper. She wanted to feel close to him again. She sniffed the blue button down, and her memories of them together came flooding in like a tidal wave. As she reached up to pull the light switch, a small box fell from the top shelf above. The brown cardboard was sealed with layer upon layer of thick silver tape. She had never seen this box before, and, well, its contents intrigued her. She got a pair of scissors and cut the tape until she could begin to rip it open. Inside was a handkerchief, a woman's blue dress with what appeared to have dried blood on it. There was also some teeth and a journal. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. What is this? And who the hell's teeth are these? She opened up the journal and recognized Sam's handwriting. She gazed upon the entry dated June 7th, 1947. I've tried so many times to get her to notice me, and she refuses. It makes me so angry how she looks at the other boys, but pays no attention to me. I just turned 17. I'm almost a man. More man than fucking Rooney Marfield. She flipped ahead ten more pages and read some more. I saw Enola walking home by herself on the dirt farm road. She seemed surprised to see me. The summer sun beating down on top of her beautiful sun-bleached blonde hair. I offered her a ride in my dad's baby blue pickup truck. Now, I didn't know I was going to do what I ended up doing. Marina recognized the name Enola, but couldn't place where she had heard it before. Sam's journal entries were making the hair on her arm stand up. She felt sick to her stomach. She was almost too scared to read on, but felt an obligation and eerie curiosity to continue. July 18th, 1947. 
Like I said, I never set out to do what ended up happening that afternoon. I had convinced Enola to let me give her a ride home. She got in my car and I couldn't help but to tell her my feelings. I had lusted after her for years. I told her that she was the only one for me and that I couldn't live without her and that she had to feel the same way. I wouldn't take no for an answer like I did in the past. She said I was scaring her and that she wanted to walk home. Do you know how that made me feel? I started to get angry and quite honestly got tired of her constantly rejecting me. So I punched her in the face. I might have punched her a little bit too hard because some of her pretty white teeth came flying out. She started crying and whimpering followed by some screams that just made my blood boil until I did what I thought was only right. The world wasn't benefiting from Enola Worthington. She was incapable of accepting love and a waste of space. I drove her out to the lake and when we got there, she started to run. I let her get a head start and think she was getting away until I sped up and knocked her out with a rock. I took off her blue summer dress as a souvenir for the summer of 1947. I dragged her limp body into the lake and tried not to think about her again. The next page had an old newspaper article about the mystery surrounding the disappearance of one Enola Worthington. Marina heard the telephone beginning to ring in the distance. She felt nauseous and dizzy from the horror she just read. When she stood up to go downstairs, something grabbed her ponytail and dragged her. Marina started screaming as she felt the throbbing pain down each wooden stair. When she got to the bottom, a powerful force picked her up and threw her into a mahogany bookshelf. Blood started pouring out of Marina's freckled forehead. Pictures of her and Sam started to fly off the walls with glass shattering each time one would land. Something took over her body and dragged her across the floor. Sharp shards of glass cut through her toes embedding into the bottom of her feet. She screamed in agonizing pain. The phone continued to ring over and over again. Leave me alone! I wasn't the one who hurt you! If you just let me go, you can have the fucking house! I don't want it anymore! The incessant ringing became one uninterrupted drone. She ran to pick it up for relief. Hello, Jones residence. Is this my beautiful mother? Help me! Someone is trying to kill me! Fucking help me! The connection is really bad. I can barely hear you. In the chaos, Marina starts to recognize the voice on the other end of the line is her own. Oh my god! Listen to me! You need to get out of this house! Enola doesn't want you here. Your presence is making her angry. You keep cutting out. She's going to kill you and Sam. Listen to what I'm trying to say and get the hell out of that house before it's too late. I have no idea what you're saying. Hanging up now. Bye. (laughs) Upstate. Written by Lauren Shand. Featuring Trevor Shand as the narrator. Addison Peacock as Marina. Michael Stroman as Sam. Megan Holliday as the operator. Engineering production and sound design by Lauren Shand. Theme music by Tyler Connolly, Chrissy Fox, and Trevor Shand. Bleeder's Digest is created and curated by Spider One. 
Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeder's Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.